Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Jeff is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. We're diving in right now to um, Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to be working our way through in the next six weeks the Lord's Prayer. And let me just uh, read just the little snippet that this be talking about today. And I want to read the introduction to this. And, and here's what it says. This is Jesus during the Sermon on the Mount. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Isn't that beautiful? Your Father knows what you need before you even pray for it. And then here's the part we're going to take on from the Lord's Prayer today. This then is how you should pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Take out your crosswalk notes. That'll help you follow along. That's the white half sheet that's in your program. And I'm just going to begin by sharing that yesterday... I was praying. I pray most days, but yesterday I was praying more fervently than I normally do. And I'll show you why. Julie and I yesterday decided to run a five-kilometer terrain race, otherwise known in popular circles as a mud run or sometimes an obstacle course race. We decided we would go up to Flagstaff, which, by the way, I just want you to know, there's no air in Flagstaff. (laughs) You're somewhere up in the atmosphere, and you try to run, but there's no air to run. But we decided, this is the before picture. See the smiles? That's the before picture. And, And here's the after picture. Okay, there's still smiles, but we look a little different. Right? It was a lot of fun. But I was praying, and, and here's some of the things I was, I was praying for, that we would not get hurt, especially me, <laughs> that Julie wouldn't leave me, you know, because I needed her on this race. I was afraid that she would just run off with some other hunky-looking guy on the race, and, uh, but she didn't. She st- stuck with me the whole time. Um, that, that God would help us over each obstacle. There are more than 20 obstacles in, that, in those five kilometers. You're not just running through nets, but you're running up cargo nets, climbing uh, through tunnels. I just didn't know if we were going to make it through the obstacles. So I prayed, asked God to help, help us make it through the obstacles. I prayed that we'd have fun together, that it would be a great time for the two of us. And most of all, I prayed, what do you think I prayed for most of all? I prayed most of all that we would finish the race. Now, 
yesterday I was thinking to myself, this is my first run of this kind. I've never done this before. And then afterwards, as I was reflecting and thinking about the things I had prayed about, I realized, no, that's not my first obstacle course race. Because doesn't that sound a little bit like life? You pray that God will keep you safe. You pray that God will help you over the obstacles. You pray that the people you love will stay with you. You pray most of all that you can finish the race. And so that's a lot of what we're going to be talking about in the next six weeks is this power that we have been given to connect with God And to tap into him who is so powerful with our words. And then hear his answers and see his answers in response. Because let me just give you a simple definition of what prayer is. Prayer is an honest talk with God. It's just telling God what's on your mind, what's on your heart, the way that you might talk to a friend or someone that you're very close to. It's just an honest talk with God. Now, several times in the Gospels, we hear Jesus pray the Lord's Prayer. And this particular occasion, as I said, he's teaching the disciples and others who are gathered there, and he says, here's how to pray. Another time, we're told, Jesus responds to a disciple's question, and and they ask, teach us how to pray, and he comes again with this very same prayer, which then tells us this is meant to be a model of prayer for us. It's meant to show us the way to pray, what kinds of words to use, what, what sorts of thoughts to bring forth when, when we pray. But I'll, I'll be honest with you, there have been times in my life when I've asked, does it do any good to pray? Is, is anyone really listening up there. One of the difficulties of prayer, if you don't understand how prayer works, is you don't typically get a verbal answer from God. Never once in my life have I gotten a verbal answer from God. Sometimes God has given me answers to my prayers in the events of my life, but most commonly, even throughout the Bible, and there's a verse in Hebrews that actually says this, God's going to give us his answers through this book right here, the Bible. Here's how God answers. And so prayer is kind of interesting because it's, the way I think of it is like one of those old school phones. You remember back in the early 1900s where they had that one tall part that you held in one hand and then the little earpiece that you held in the other hand. And so there's two separate pieces to talking to someone. That's how it is with prayer. We talk to God with our mouth, but when we want to hear God answer, we have to pick up the earpiece. And the Bible is the earpiece. It it, it gives us the answers that we're seeking from God. And I'll talk about why he does it this way during the message a little bit later on. Let's dive into the Lord's Prayer. This then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I don't know if you realize this, but 
even Jesus, the Son of God, prayed. And I want you to think about this for a moment as what Jesus was, was going through. I, I shared with you about my grandkids and my daughter and son-in-law moving to Wisconsin, moving to unfamiliar territory. Think about Jesus, the Son of God, coming from heaven and making the move, the mission-oriented move to save all mankind, to come and, and, and get into our world and how, how strange it must have been. In heaven where he has all authority and all power and the angels listen, listen to him all the time, he came down to earth where few people listen to him. In heaven where everything that he would say would be understandable, it, it looks many times when he's even talking to his disciples who are following him like he's speaking in some sort of foreign language that they can't get. Even if you just think about the raw beauty and perfection of heaven compared to living in a fallen world, Jesus knows that to fulfill this mission that is going to take him through beatings and death and then on to resurrection, he needs to stay connected to his father. So take a look at these next couple of verses. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. I love that verse because it shows that Jesus was so intent on being a person of prayer, he was not going to let anything get in his way. I don't know how your day goes, but if I save my devotion time or my prayer time for a little bit later on in the day, you know what happens to me? Often it never gets done. Because the day starts, and I'm on a track, and things are happening, and all of a sudden either I forget to come back and do it, or events take over, and my day gets crazy, and I just feel like, I don't know, other than little breath prayers, little quick prayers during the day, there's no time to really sit and be quiet with God and to find the strength that he has for me. I love how Jesus gets up early and gets it done before the sun even rises. And in fact, the next verse says, he often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus had, at times during his ministry, crowds of people following him, bringing their needs to him. Jesus, heal me. Jesus, teach me. Jesus, let me follow you. And he easily could have spent his entire time, 24-7, responding to the needs of people. Jesus intentionally carved out time to be alone so that he could be with his father in heaven because he knew that he needed his father in heaven. So he often withdrew to lonely places and pray. Do you have a lonely place that you can go to? If you remember back to the Jonah series, we called it fish belly time because Jonah apparently hadn't gotten a lot of lonely time just to talk to God and he got disconnected from God and in fact went the wrong way from God. But God said, you know what? You need some lonely, you need a lonely place to pray. God gave him a lonely place to pray in the belly of a fish. Now, 
I made this point in the Jonah series. You can either let God create that lonely place for you, or you can intentionally create the lonely place for yourself, a, a little place, a little time that's set apart from the world and set apart from the needs. I'm telling you, if I were to go around this room, I doubt that there are very many people in this room at all that don't have crowds to deal with. Now, when I, when I say crowds, here's what I mean. You have a spouse. You have children who have needs. You have bosses and coworkers and neighbors that have needs. You may live in an area where there's an HOA and they're going to send you a little letter telling you about their needs. And so you're, you could spend all your time responding to needs unless you intentionally, as Jesus did, create a lonely place. And maybe for you too, it's gonna to have to be while it is still dark, very early in the morning. And Jesus did this because he was a person of prayer. Now listen how it goes on. Jesus is talking in the Garden of Gethsemane to Peter, James, and John, who he's invited to come along with him. And you know the situation is dire. Jesus is praying. But he says this to Peter, James, and John. Now you watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus is saying, we all need to pray. And why do we all need to pray? Even if we're God's children and we love God and we want to move in the right direction with God and our heart is for God, all of us still carry around our flesh. There is that sin part of us that we cannot leave behind. In that second picture that you saw of me yesterday, that was after the race, and honestly, when I sent that to my daughter, Abby, she said, you guys actually look pretty clean for just having been in a mud race. And I said, the camera lies. <laughs> so through the lens of the camera, we looked pretty clean, but if you, later we pulled off our socks, and Julie washed our clothes twice in the sink, then three times rinse them in the washing machine and then wash them. That's how much mud had collected on us. And that's how much sin mud is collected on all of us too. We have this flesh and it weighs us down and it carries us back and Satan is always attacking. And that's why Jesus says we need to pray. You see, the stakes are high. But the beauty of prayer and why we need to become people of prayer like Jesus was is not only are the stakes high, but the blessings and the rewards are equally high. Look at what Paul says. He says, rejoice always. You want to find joy in your life? You want to truly be happy? Pray continually. And in your prayers, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Paul says, when we become people of prayer, we find our joy. We find our gratitude. And it doesn't matter what our outward circumstances are, he says. The benefits of prayer are so huge because whatever the circumstances are, we'll find our joy and we'll find our gratitude. So here's what I want you to write down. And this, this is kind of an intro to the entire series. Jesus was a person of prayer. And he wants us, because we need to be, to become people of prayer. 
Now, how does he start out this model prayer, the Lord's Prayer? He starts out with two simple words, our Father. Now, always, whenever I talk about these words, I'm, I'm honestly a bit cautious. Because not everyone's experience of their father has been a really great one. Uh, last, last weekend, for example, I was in um, one, of our, one of our ministries, Foster and Adoption Ministry, on Sunday night. And amazing ministry. Uh, we minister to people who, have, who are fostering children or who have adopted children in this congregation. We also help uh, meet the needs, uh, this ministry does, of people in our community who are fostering and adopting or trying to keep ch- children out of the foster and adoption system entirely by helping their parents. So lots of really interesting and cool things happening through this ministry. The lesson that we studied was how difficult it can be for adult children sometimes because they were raised with parents that didn't function in the optimal way that we would hope parents would would function. Sometimes our parents, our, our dads in particular maybe, can feel distant and disconnected from us. Sometimes our dads, maybe, maybe you grew up with a, a dad who, who was overly permissive and, and, and really distracted by his own life. He didn't want to be bothered with anything like teaching you the right way or the wrong way or disciplining you because he had his own thing going on. Maybe even you grew up with a dad who was constantly angry and who pushed you away because of his anger. He didn't know how to handle having children. Maybe he was so angry all the time he became verbally or even physically abusive at times. This last, this last week, I heard a woman named Julie talk about a dad who had sexually abused her. Now, when she thinks of praying, our father, she's going to struggle. Because that relationship was not a good relationship. But if, if that's your situation, I, I want to I ask you to, to do your best with God's help to, to, to set all that baggage aside that's connected with that word father and, and substitute it for what fathers are truly meant to be. What, for what God truly calls fathers to be. Because this is what Jesus is, is meaning when he says, pray to God as your father. You are connected to him as someone who loves you. Who would sacrifice himself for you who is there for you, who is present and connected, who will not leave you or forsake you. This is the kind of father that you have, a father who listens when you talk to him, a father who answers and responds when you bring him your needs, a father who, not not a father who abuses you, but a father who protects you. Recently, I, I read a story, although it was, it was from several years ago, of a man, ironically, his name is Dwayne Johnson. This is not Dwayne the Rock Johnson, though. 
is truly a dad from Colorado named Dwayne Johnson. And he was taking his kids on an adventure. And I saw this a lot yesterday. I'll come to that in a moment. But they were hiking up in the Rockies, and, and all of a sudden, a 100-meter swath, a 100-yard swath of the mountain began to come down over the top of him. He was with his kids, his wife, and several cousins. Instinctively, this dad, who was by one of his daughters, Gracie, put her down on the ground and covered her with his body. And a hundred ton rocks came cascading down off this mountain and killed this man's family, all except for Gracie. Do you, do you know what one of Dwayne Johnson's best friends said? I, I fully would have expected Dwayne Johnson to do this because he loved his kids. He was their dad. He would do nothing else but protect them. Here's what I know about Dwayne Johnson. If there was any way for him to have stretched himself out across his entire family, that's what he would have done. Dwayne Johnson died in the process. He sacrificed himself, but his daughter lived. You see, that's the love of our Heavenly Father. And so when we pray, we are praying to that kind of Father. Look at what Romans says. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh. Remember, we, we said a few moments ago, we have this flesh, this sin clinging to us, this muck and mud of sin, and it never goes away. But we don't want to live according to that. We want to change. We want to move on from our sins. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Here's, here's why we want to wash that mud off thoroughly. Why we want to move on. If we stay here, we'll die eternally. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. That's what we, what we are to do. Now, Paul says, here's why you are to do this, to move on. He goes on and he says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. He's talking about you now. The Holy Spirit, through the power of the word, has come into your heart and your mind and drawn you to trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That makes you the children of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Here's what I want you to write down. Jesus teaches us to pray relationally. When we pray, we're not praying to a stranger. We're not praying to a disembodied power. We are praying to someone who wants us to call him Father. He cares about you. You matter to him. And he has sent his own son to lay down his life in perfect sacrifice so that your sins could be erased, so the muck of sin could be washed off of you. You know, I, I, I love this thought about Father. Let me show you one other picture from yesterday. 
Now, I don't know how clearly you can see this, but during this race, we were running right behind a bunch of families. In fact, there was one family, large family, looked like two dads, two moms, might have been, you know, cousins, bunch of kids. And we got to hear them because we were behind them talking to one another. And it was so interesting to listen to the kids talk to their dad. Let me, uh, let me give you, share a few quotes. Dad, can we slow down? Uh, we're, you're going too fast. And then a few minutes later, Dad, speed up. You're going too slow. Um, Dad, wait for me. Dad, hurry up and get past this obstacle. We got to move on. Are you noticing a little bit of a theme here? Dad, this looks like it will hurt. Dad, this is going to be fun. Dad, help me. Dad, don't help me. Dad, can I do that again? Dad, I never want to do that again. (laughs) Do you ever pray like that? Like one minute you're like, Father, I want this. And then a few seconds later, no, Father, I don't want that. The beauty of this is it's your father. So because it's your, those kids were not worried about giving their father contradicting prayers or requests. They were just pouring their, whatever was on their mind in the moment they knew their dad loved them and they were just going to share what was on their heart, contradictory or not. Brothers and sisters, because God is your father, you can do that with him too. Turn the page, turn the page, because I I think it's so important to understand that he is your father. Now, the next phrase is in heaven. Now, I want you to understand this is not meant to say, hey, God, this is not about location, although it sounds like it. Our father in heaven is far more about what he can do, what his authority is, and what his power is. Because he's in heaven, he's seated on the throne. He's the king. He's the creator. He's the one who sees it all, and he's the one who can do something about it at all. And how do I know that that's really the the definition? Take a look at these next, next verses. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes. Abraham's like, I'm nothing. You're everything, God. And if you know this prayer, Abraham is is sort of dickering with God. He's trying to run a deal with God to save Sodom and Gomorrah. God, if there are 50 righteous people there, if there are 40, if there are 30, And every time, Abraham very humbly, but yet boldly says, what if, God? And presents his request to God because he knows that God is the decision maker. And that's what what we mean when we say our Father in heaven. God, you are the decision maker. You are the Father who loves me. I know I matter to you, but you also sit on the throne, on the seat of authority and all power. Look at what King Jehoshaphat says. Then Jehoshaphat stood up and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, you are, are you not the God who is in heaven? Now, now look at how he explains 
what he considers to be the results of that. If you're in heaven, you rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand. And no one can withstand you. Let me tell you Jehoshaphat's situation here. He is surrounded by an alliance of masses of enemy soldiers setting out to attack him. And as he looks around, the Bible says he's alarmed. He's alarmed. Like, how are we going to ever... How are we going to ever get out of this situation alive? And so in this, in this horrible, scary, frightening, overwhelming situation, what does Jehoshaphat do? He says, hey, God, aren't you the one that's in heaven there on the throne? Don't you have all the power and all the authority In fact, you do. Power and might are in your hand, God, and no one, no one can withstand you. Not even all these troops. What situation in your life feels that way right now? And I I want to teach you something about prayer here. Because there's a very popular phrase about prayer, and, and it's a little bit dangerous. There's some truth to it, but it's also a little bit dangerous. The phrase is that there is great power in prayer. And I want you to look at Jehoshaphat's prayer. Is Jehoshaphat saying there is great power in my prayer? Or is Jehoshaphat saying there is great power in you, God? Here's the danger of saying there is great power in prayer. It can lead us down a path of thinking to ourselves, well, I have to pray just right. Do I get down on my knees? Do I stand? Do I fold my hands? Do I bow my head? What does God want from me? How much faith do I need? Is God going to answer my prayer if I don't have enough faith? Maybe God is going to, maybe God is just not going to listen because he knows that I, I, I don't, I just, I don't have my act together. The power is not in the prayer. And, and Jehoshaphat, if he's praying right now, he's praying in great weakness. He is looking at these, these thousands and thousands of enemy troops, and he's alarmed. He's scared. He's frightened out of his gourd. His, his prayer's not that powerful, but his God is very powerful. And, and I want you to realize that. And this happens throughout the Bible. Acts chapter 12 There's a really funny situation where all the Christians are gathered because Peter is under arrest, and this means Peter's probably going to be executed like Jesus and others before him. And and this group of people in the house are praying, Lord, deliver Peter, get him out of prison somehow, which God does. He answers that prayer, miraculously delivers Peter. Peter comes and knocks on the door where these people are, and guess what? Guess what their response is? No, that can't be Peter. No way. The very thing that they're praying for, they can't believe that God could pull off. So how powerful is that prayer? It's not, their prayer was not powerful. Their God was powerful. And that's the key thing to always remember. Look at how it says this beautifully in Psalm 115.3. Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. And because of that, we can pray confidently. Jesus 
teaches us to pray confidently. Write that down on your notes. And here's the last phrase. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. What does that even mean? Hallowed, is that like Halloween be your name? Hallow is a word that means to be made holy. This is a prayer that says, God, may your name be considered holy. Now, let's talk about the word name, now that we've got the word hallowed. Name is actually more than just God or Yahweh or Jesus or Savior. Name is everything that we know about God. It's all that's revealed about God. God's name, actually, we could equate to this, the Bible, because everything we know that's been revealed about God, his entire reputation is found right here. So when... We pray, hallowed be your name. We're saying, Lord, may you truly, in your holiness, in your righteousness, first of all, keep all the promises of your reputation in the Bible. Do all that you have painted yourself to be. Make it all happen. But we're also praying somewhat ambitiously for ourselves. You know why? How do the vast majority of of the people around us who don't come to church know whether God is who he says he is, whether he is holy, whether he is love? How do most people know that? Through you. Far more people read your lives than read their Bibles. So part of the prayer, hallowed be your name, is a prayer for ourselves, a very ambitious prayer for ourselves to say, may I live the way that your loving heart tells me to live because I know that's truly what's best for me, what leads to everlasting life. May I lean on Jesus for my salvation. May I come to the cross constantly for forgiveness. May I be covered with the blood of Jesus your son. May your righteousness robe me. And then may I, in response to all of that, love you in return and be obedient to you so that when people look at me, they see your love. When people look at me, they see your holiness. That's a very, very ambitious prayer. Because of all that muck, all that sinful nature that still clings to us. It's a hugely ambitious prayer to say, Lord God, change me. Send your spirit to me and make me who I already am in your sight. You see, God already sees you as holy. And God himself is holy whether we make him that way or not. There are certain things that are accomplished facts. Take a look at Romans 5.19. It says, For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. This is fact. You have been made righteous in the blood of Christ. You are holy. You are forgiven. You are pure in God's sight because of what Christ has done for you. That's done deal. Please understand that. God's done that for you already. So when you pray, hallowed be your name, when that prayer is 
an ambitious prayer for yourself, you're really saying, Lord, help me receive that, help me believe that by your Spirit's power, and now help me live that. Paul goes on to talk about the live that part in Romans 6 when he says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Are you ready to make that change? Are you ready to move on is what Paul is saying. Yes, it's hard. Yes, you're going to shed some tears leaving behind those old friend sins behind. But move on and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master. What sin are you struggling against? What sin are you clinging to? What sin are you finding it hard to move past? Paul says, established fact, that sin is no longer your master in Christ. It does not own you. And if you will receive God's powerful promises, you will own it. For sin shall no longer be your master. And here's why, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Write this down. Jesus teaches us to pray ambitiously. And here are three things to pray for. Personal, relational, and missional reformation. If we are going to make God's name holy in our lives, it means we have to be reformed. We have to be renewed. We have to be made alive again in the spirit. That means personally. That means taking an honest look at our own sins and saying, I'm packing those away, I'm repenting of those, I'm done with them, and I am moving forward. It means reformation relationally, which means whoever you're holding a grudge against right now, whoever you're angry and frustrated with, and can't move away from that anger and frustration, whoever you're struggling to forgive, whatever habits, annoying, relationship-breaking habits that you have that need to be given up for the sake of the important relationships in your life, you're praying to God, send me your Holy Spirit so that my relationships can be whole again. And finally, you're asking, and I'm asking you to ask for missional reformation. We are together as family because we are on a mission together. This church is on a mission. And can I tell you that we have not always prayed boldly enough in this church? We have not. When we started Crosswalk, we asked God for $25,000 and we said, God, if you give us $25,000, we can get this church started. And God said, you people have no faith. And he gave us $50,000. I actually felt a a little like repentant that I had not thought big enough of God. I was certainly not Jehoshaphat in that situation. Think big, 
pray for this church. We're in the midst of buying land right now, and I cannot tell you how complicated this land purchase has been. It is beyond belief in many ways. Pray so that this ministry can move forward and we can carry out the mission in this community to help others know Jesus as their Savior because that is the mission that all of us are on together. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, you are our Father. And because of that, we know that you love us and you will respond to us. God, you are in heaven. And because of that, we know that you have the authority and the power and the might to do what you want to do. You can help us. Lord, you want your name to be made holy. You want us to be on this mission individually and together to share Jesus so that he, through his righteousness, can make the whole world holy. Lord, we thank you for the power to come to you and share our hearts and our minds with you in words. And now, Lord, I I pray that everyone in this room would take the first steps this week to, to becoming people of prayer and connect with you, to find their quiet, private place, to find their time in the day when they can bring their requests, their thanksgiving, their confessions to you, and know that because you are our Father in heaven, and because your name is holy, you are listening and you will answer. Lord, we lift up this prayer to you in the name of our perfect and wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name, amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now, some closing thoughts from Pastor Jeff. I'm going to be honest with you. Our goal for this series is really, really clear. In six weeks, if we don't have more of you becoming people of prayer, more of you finding that quiet time and that space in your life where you can pray, if you have just come to this series and gained more intellectual knowledge about prayer, this series will have been an utter failure. And I just want to be clear with that goal. And so for us, we've taken it upon ourselves to say, we'd better answer why they should pray, why they would want to pray. And today's answer is pretty, pretty clear, isn't it? Why do we want to pray? Because God is our father, because he cares about us and because we matter to him and we're in this relationship as his children and because when we pray he's on his throne in heaven not only he will because he's our father but he can because he's our father in heaven let me send you home with the lord's blessing the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you the lord show you his grace and grant you his peace. Amen.